Uh, so the readings, Colossians 1, uh, verses 1 to 14. As Nathan said, page 1182. Uh, so Colossians 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you so much, Sophie, for reading that. Hi, everyone. Great to see you here today. My name is Jeremy. If we haven't already met, great to see you, especially if you're a visitor. And hi to people who are at home watching on the internet. I know a number of people have uh, caught COVID just as it disappears from the country as a whole. Uh, a few people from Trinity have, uh, have succumbed. So hi to you if you're watching. Good. Well, I, I wonder what you think you're going to see uh, when, when you go into a church. And what you're going to experience if you attend a church service, what it's going to be like. Um, it's always interesting, isn't it, to see in sort of literature how churches are described. Sometimes characters in churches go, uh, characters in literature go into churches, uh, and it's always interesting to see what kind of experience they have. So maybe you know the um, the local author Nick Hornby. Uh, he wrote a book called How to Be Good, which is all about sort of Islington and Holloway. Fascinating to read and recognise some of the local um, the, the, the locations. And one of his characters goes to a church in Islington. Uh, GP goes to a church, and he describes it as an ordinary service, a bog standard, nobody there church service, sad and exhausted, with a handful of defeated people. That's um, how Nick Hornby describes the experience of someone going to church. Or you could go to uh, another great piece of literature, uh, the Postman Pat stories, and if you, if you come across those. And a favorite Postman Pat story of our children was where Postman Pat goes on a sort of secondment um, up to London. 
and uh, he sees all the sights of London. And um, and he goes he goes on a round, a sort of post around in London, and he, and he visits a church, and he has a parcel to deliver to the church. It's very very exciting. And uh, and he goes up to this church in London. There's a sound of rock music coming out, and uh, and the vicar appears. And to Postman Pat's astonishment, he's holding a guitar and has red hair. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing to see what people expect you know, a church, church to be like. What do you think you'll see when you go to church, when you visit a church or when you come here? It's interesting to hear your expectations. And we have our own sort of categories, don't we? Sort of candle or, or drum kit, um, sort of bells and smells or... Um, sort of happy, clappy, you know what I mean? And we all do that, don't we? We have a sort of categories that we put churches into. And I'm, I'm not saying that those things aren't important um, to some extent. But if that's how we think of church, then the Bible says we've started in the wrong place. We've um, we started in the wrong place, yeah? Because church, according to the book of Colossians, we're going to take a bit of a, an overview, four key passages from the book of Colossians, this afternoon, that, that bit of the Bible that Sophie started reading to us. According to the book of Colossians, church is a, is a group of people who are, who are reassured that they have everything in Jesus. They have the whole deal, the whole shebang. They've got it all, the whole lot, and they've found completeness, and they've found satisfaction in him. That's what it says in the book of Colossians. Well, perhaps you think at this stage, well, if, that, if that's what church is, I need to leave by the nearest fire exit. I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure that Jesus exists, you know, let alone um, ready to say that, I'm, you know, I'm complete in him. Maybe you think, um, maybe you think, well, Jeremy, I'm, you know, I'd love to be like that, but I'm just holding on by my fingernails. You know, I'm just existing as a Christian. I don't think I've found completeness in Jesus yet. That's okay. None of us are, none of us are completely like that at the moment. <clears throat> but we're just taking one week, as Nathan said, to think about what church is and what the Bible describes church as. And, and, and why are we doing that? Let me tell you, because we're just coming out of the pandemic and, uh, and it's, been, it's been a really harrowing couple of years um, for a lot of us. And, and I think many of us feel that we've just got sort of emotional and spiritual long COVID. Someone put it like that to me the other day. You know, we're just exhausted and, uh, and so we're taking this week to remind ourselves of what, if, of, of what is core as a church, what lies at the heart of local church as we launch a new mission statement. And while some people, I think, are here for Try Out Church Sunday, it's great to see you. Seemed like a good time to go back to the book of Colossians and try and explain what we want to be as a local church. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, then as we begin, we're going to pray. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've just heard Sophie read out this prayer that you would fill people with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And Father, we, uh, we want to dare to pray that for ourselves this afternoon as, as we come to the Bible. Please, Father, we, we're asking you, please do that work in us by your Spirit through your Son and, and we ask in his name. Amen. Oh, 
Well, one realization then with three implications. One realization with three implications. And, and the realization is that we've been saved by Jesus. We've been rescued by him. With the implications, we want to be rooted in him and relate in his grace and reach out with the gospel. That's our mission, okay? Just behind you there. Um, we've been rescued by Jesus, and so we want to be rooted in him, relate in his grace, and reach out with the gospel. I'm just going to be able to talk about this quite briefly this afternoon, but I want this to be the beginning of a conversation, okay? And, and maybe we can carry on talking. We're going to have a bit of a panel discussion afterwards. As we, as we look at the book of Colossians, it's a, it's a letter written by the apostle Paul in the, in the first century. He's been thrown into prison, and he wants to write to a couple of churches which uh, in what would be modern-day Turkey. But it's a, it's a letter which shows the mission of the church and, um, and say so the mission of our church too. First a realization then, the local church is a group of people who are rescued by Jesus. A group of people rescued by Jesus. And you'll see what I mean if, if you've got a Bible there um, or you'll see the passage up on the screen as well. Let me read chapter 1 of Colossians, verses 13 and 14. Here we are, this is what it said. So we just read these words. Um, it's talking about what, what God has done. It says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That, that's, that's what we can say, hand on heart, if we're a local church together, if, if, if we're Christian people. That, that we were in the dominion of, of darkness, that, that we'd, we'd sort of turned our back on God, that we walked out into the night, and that we decided to go our own way, uh, that we put ourselves in terrible danger. Um, and, and, and darkness in the Bible represents God's um, his justifiable outrage, his, his controlled anger, that we should have kicked our creator to the curb, you know? We've all done that. We've walked out into the darkness, but God, God came and rescued us. And that, and that word in the original means to rescue out of, out of severe danger. Um, and he's, he's resettled us, if I can put it like that, in, in a secure country. And that's the kingdom of the son who he loves. That's Jesus. That's what he's done. It's a sort of action of resettlement. You know, God is, God is the great game changer in, in our lives. That's who he is. He changes the game. This is a radical relocation. And it's happened to every single one of us if we're Christians so that we can feel safe and we can feel forgiven and we can feel free because of what God's done. But it comes at a cost to him. Can you see that? Um, down in, in verse 14, that, um, that word for redemption means setting someone free at cost to the liberator. Yeah, setting someone free at a cost. And uh, that cost falls to God. Um, I'm reading a really beautiful book at the moment. I, I don't know whether you've um, come across it. It's called All at Sea. You'll see the, um, see the cover just up on the, on the screen. All at Sea. And it's, a, it's really a portrait of grief. It's written by someone called um, Decker Aitkenhead. And, and she was an award-winning journalist um, working just at The Guardian, just down the road from here. Um, but in this book, she tells the story of how her, um, her young son uh, was playing on a beach in Jamaica, beautiful beach, 
and she's there with her husband of 10 years um, and um, a, a, a wave comes in and, and sweeps her son into the sea um, and uh, her husband Tony dives in um, and he saves uh, their boy's life but he himself drowns in the process. Uh, it's incredibly moving, beautiful, but just an outpouring of, of grief about love and about loss uh, and about a redemption, I guess, and how, how lives can be saved. But when you read the prologue, um, Decker Aitken Head, um, whose, whose husband gave his life so that her son could be saved, this is what she writes in the prologue. She says, my three-year-old son asks me to tell him the story almost every day. Tell me the story about how Tony died it again, he says. And so I do, until he knows the words and can join in as if it were a well-worn nursery rhyme. It's amazing, isn't it? Tell me the story, uh, mummy, of how my daddy gave up his life. And you see, we're, we're, we're rescued people. We've, we've been rescued at, at, at the cost of the life of, of Jesus. He, he gave himself on the, on the cross so that, so that we could be brought into his kingdom out of danger, into safety. We've been rescued by Jesus when he, when he died for us. Not as an accident, but as a, as a deliberate act of mercy. That's, that's what he did. And, and so... What does that mean for us as a church? It means we want to tell that story every time we meet. Yeah, tell me the story. Tell me the story of how it happened. So we'll, we'll, we'll go back there quite a lot as a church. You know, whatever part of the Bible we're in, whether it's in, in the first part of the Bible that sort of shows us why that rescue had to happen, uh, whether it's the second part of the Bible showing us what that rescue means. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go back there quite a lot. Tell me the story. We'll say as... as as we come together. You know, in the songs we'll sing, um, he's our rescuer. In the, in, the, in the prayers we pray, we'll give thanks uh, with real gratitude for the life that was, that was given for us. We'll, it, it'll be the center of gravity uh, for us as a church. It'll keep pulling us back um, to, that, to that one offense, this story about radical relocation, about costly redemption, about the forgiveness of sins, because he paid the price for us to be forgiven and until we know that we're safe and, and we're forgiven and we're free yeah we tell that story until we know that really know those things God is the great game changer and so we might say to each other if we're Christians in conversation uh, maybe later on this week just tell me the story about how Jesus died again tell me that story again and until in decorate can heads words we we know the story and can join in like a well-worn nursery rhyme we went straight far from that story that's who we are as a church that's the realization then that we're we're people rescued by jesus but there are there are three implications let me show you those briefly from other parts of the book of colossians i'd love to take you all the way through but i'm just going to take three very brief segments and, and, and show you how this plays out as, as the Apostle Paul, chained up in, in a Roman prison, writes to this church and says, this is what it looks like to be local church. And those core mission values 
stay the same 2,000 years later. We're in a different part of the world, a different time in history. But we can build on the same values as we do church in the 21st century. Let me, um, let me tell you the first implication briefly. And that's that the local church wants to be rooted in Jesus. So we've been rescued by Jesus, that's a realization. First implication, we want to be rooted in Jesus. That's our, that's our mission. Come back to the Bible with me. And uh, if you've got your Bibles open, then um, it's just on, on the opposite page, page 1183. This is probably the key statement of the whole book, as, as Paul writes to, to, to this little church in Turkey. This is what he writes from prison. Chapter 2, verse 6. Paul says, so then... So then, he's, he's, he's just saying, he's contending for them in his absence. So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives for him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's his key statement. That's what he wants most of them, you know. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, as, as, as you gave in to him, as you accepted his uh, his authority, uh, as, as, as he brought you into his kingdom. The kingdom's a, a place where you live in submission to the king. Uh, you accepted that he had the right to run your life. Yeah, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. So keep going. Okay, continue to live your lives in him. That's what Paul says. Literally, walk in him. Okay, walk in, in Jesus it says, rooted and built up in him, secure and growing, in other words, and overflowing with thankfulness. You can tell a grateful person, can't you? You can tell a grateful person. Continuity, keep going. Rootedness and, and, and thankfulness. I mean, it's a strange idea, that, isn't it? It's sort of uh, walking and being rooted at the same time. But that, that's, that's what Paul's teaching us to do. Walk and be rooted. Walk, walk in him as you're rooted in him. Walk forwards as you put down deep roots in Jesus. and uh, Sort of relational roots. Um, um, you know him. And, and, and you know that he, he rescued you. And, and we want to do that as a church because it does matter what your roots are in, doesn't it? It does, it does make a difference. So, um, so last autumn, for instance, um, we, had a, we had a problem with our hot water tank. It was, it was leaking a bit of water. Um, uh, it didn't look that serious. But eventually, um, after, a, after a few weeks and months, um, it looked like it was getting a bit worse. So I called in the plumber, uh, as you do, and, and he took a long look. And he said that our hot water was overflowing. Some valve had gone wrong. I didn't really understand what he was talking about. But um, he said... Um, he said, I think there must be an overflow somewhere in your garden, uh, which is sort of letting out the hot water. I, I, I didn't really know. So we went to have a look together. Um, and it, it, hap- it just happens that outside our back door, um, we have an olive tree uh, just growing in a pot sort of on, on, on the patio. And when I got outside with the plumber, I just noticed it was looking really healthy. Uh, it was sort of big and bushy and green it had been sort of um it it had been flourishing the transformation was remarkable 
And it, and it turns out the overflow was just behind the olive tree, and it was basically having a 24-hour jacuzzi um, in, our, in our back garden. I've never seen it look quite so healthy. Uh, it was, it was quite, quite extraordinary. Uh, it was initially quite um, straggly, is that the word? But it, flourishing oak, uh, olive tree in our back garden. It, it matters what your, what your roots are in if you want to flourish. And so we want to be rooted and walking. Yeah, rooted and walking. We want to be, have that secure relationship with Jesus Christ where we're rooted relationally deep into him. And then we want to be walking in Jesus Christ. And letting it change our lives day by day. Letting it change our decisions. You know, actually doing what it says. Um, having that sort of security that comes from knowing that we're rescued, that sets us free to be able to, um, to take risks for, for Jesus. We know that our value has been set by him. It, it can't be diminished. And so we're unafraid to, to follow him and make the hard decisions in life. And that, that means we want to connect our lives, our day-to-day lives and our decisions and our, and our ambitions and our priorities with the rescue of, of, about about Jesus with the rescue, what, what the Bible calls the gospel. Here's, um, here's what one writer says. Um, he's called Don Carson. He writes quite a lot about the Bible. And um, I agree with what he says here. Uh, this was what he wrote. One of the most urgently needed things today, if he says that, then it's got to be important, okay? If, uh, one of the most urgently needed things today is a careful treatment of how the gospel, biblically and richly understood, ought to shape everything we do in the local church, all of our ethics, that means right, right and wrongs, all of our priorities. That's why we want to be a church that teaches about that connection. You know, I, I, I hope you want to hear that. Please sort of ask us to do that, and, and, and we'll try and do that every Sunday and and every Tuesday, you know, we're, we're being taught the whole time. Every, every day of our lives is sort of education program. We see um, five to 10,000 adverts every day, which are telling us things. Okay, we're always receiving messages. Uh, we, we can't help it. And that's why we want to gather. We want to make it a priority to gather um, twice a week on a, on a Sunday um, here in church and then on a Tuesday. We want to try and prioritize that. If, if you're going away for the weekend, try and come back. Uh, for 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon so that we hear the right messages that are going to help us connect that rescue with, with the sort of experience of, of living day by day. So we, we, in Paul's words, we're taught the faith and strengthened in it, rooted and walking. That's, that's what we want to be at Trinity. It matters what our roots are in. Yeah, we want to feed that relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, encourage each other, um, to do that, if we're to find the security and the thankfulness that that rootedness brings, yeah? Not that we'll leave it there, um, because that rescue not only changes us, but it brings us into community. You see, it brings us into relationship with one another. Um, it teaches us to relate in his grace slightly more briefly. Come with me um, in Colossians and see that for yourself. So we're in chapter 3, just over the page. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And uh, uh, you'll see it up on the screen as well. Can you see how this works out in the letter to the Colossians? Colossians 3, 
Paul's explained about the rescue and, and he's explained about the rootedness and now he's going to talk about the relationships that exist in the local church. Let me read that out. This is Paul writing to the local church. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, can you see their value is set? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. As the Lord forgave you, pass it forwards. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, you see the logic there? You know that you're dearly loved. Do you know that? If you're a Christian, you're dearly loved. That's entirely biblical. And, and, and you've been rescued and you've been brought to this place of safety. And so you want to treat other people better than they deserve. Yeah? That's a, that's a relationship with grace. Treating other people better than they deserve. That's, that's a relationship of grace. Um, uh, fashion, the fashionistas uh, here at Trinity, you can just tell by my appearance I'm not one of them. But um, the fashionistas in Trinity tell me that something you can do fashion-wise is, is layering. Anyone uh, know what layering is? Uh, you, it, it's, it's sort of... I, I can't even explain it. It's, it's sort of different. You put on different layers and they all sort of show through and they all work well together. Is that a fair summary? Thank you. I'll take that as a, I'll take that as a full endorsement. Okay. And um, this is sort of theological layering. You see, uh, Paul's talking about putting on clothes. That's his picture. And um, first of all, he says... Um, your, your sort of base layer uh, in, in, uh, in verse 12, compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. Can you imagine a church like that? Compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. Which one of those do you find hardest? Uh, but over that, you put on another layer. Okay, I don't know if that counts as layering, but um, uh, verse 14, you can see you put on another layer over the top, and it matches so well. Um, all of your fashion-conscious friends theologically would approve. Verse 14, second layer. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Can you see that? You can sort of imagine someone putting on a sort of shirt and pair of trousers and a, a sort of scarf and a pair of gloves, and, but the, the coat they put on over the top just brings them all together, Yeah. I'm stretching this metaphor. I, I, can't, um, I can't take it any further than that. But can you see how, how love sort of brings them all together and, and, and sort of summarizes and, and, and sort of brings together people in these bonds of relationship, treating people better than they deserve? Relationships of grace. That's our mission, Trinity Church Islington according to the Bible. Um, you know, I thought it was worth saying at this point um, that, um, that I'm sorry if you've been hurt by a church before or, or maybe recently. I know not all churches um, have got this right and I know that some people have been very damaged by the way they've been treated by churches in the past and by a lack of kindness or a lack of gentleness, um, a lack of grace, a lack of understanding. Um, and um, I know that and sometimes these things need to be called out I know that too 
uh, and we won't have always got that right at Trinity and it's worth acknowledging that um, as we look at these verses together but we're called to be something better can you see that we're called to be something better we're called to relate in grace we're called to treat each other better than we deserve so what what's that going to look like I mean it's going to look like um, people who've been avoiding each other uh, for the last few months um, picking up the phone this week and saying can we sort it out is that okay can we talk about it and we're so loved we're so brought together by uh, by grace and kindness why can't we talk yeah um maybe uh maybe you've hurt someone maybe you know you've hurt someone it would be worth this week going and asking them for forgiveness it's quite a hard thing to do maybe you're not sure whether you've hurt someone you go and ask them it takes quite a lot of courage to do that but your your value is not is not threatened you know we're not we don't have that insecurity and, and sort of threat uh, that other people might feel um because we know that we're loved we know that we're rescued um Maybe it means someone who's got a lot on their heart today. I mean, we've all come with different experiences and there's been this sort of perma-crisis. We're all feeling a bit damaged. Maybe it means finding someone today who will, who will listen to, to where you are, you know, some of, the, some of the hurt that you're feeling, someone who will give you the time of day. Um, maybe it's someone offering someone else help in, in the way that no one else is ever going to hear about. It's just so secret. Um, but it happens. Um, you know, someone said this week that church is probably the last place where in, in, in the whole of culture, in the whole of society, where we can truly be ourselves. You know, and all the time in, in the workplace, on social media, we're having to pretend, don't we? All the time. But church is a place we can really be ourselves. Probably the last place on earth. And so we can be honest with each other in loving relationships treating people better than they deserve and then the third implication more briefly still reaching out with the gospel yeah reaching out with the gospel come forwards with me to uh, chapter 4 verse 5 and 6 in this whistle stop tour of Colossians it's on the screen you see the third implication of the rescue we're, we're not just to be rooted in Jesus we're not just to be relating uh, with grace uh, but we're to be reaching out to other people all the time. Um, have a look at chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is what Paul tells the Colossians, a tiny church in the midst of a, a pagan culture. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be, be always full of grace. Yes. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone salty conversations that's what we're going to pray for this week salty conversations um you you can tell when salt's been added to something because it tastes different yeah i, it's, I, I don't think it's any, any any more complicated than that okay so you know when when they when the children were growing up uh if we cooked rice we didn't put salt in it um uh doesn't taste quite as good uh, but you can tell, you know, you can tell when salt's been added to something. And so you can tell when someone's experienced grace because it just flows out into their conversations. And that's why Christians' conversation is full of grace. It's seasoned with salt. It's different. It's got a distinctive taste. It's got a taste reminiscent of, hmm, what is it? Um, 
rescue. That's what it tastes of. We'll seem like rescued people and, and we'll want to pass on that rescue to others. Or wouldn't, wouldn't you want to? You know, there's that famous quote by C.S. Lewis. You'll, you'll have seen it up on the screen. C.S. Lewis thought a lot about suffering and uh, a lot about pain. And uh, he was an incredibly lucid writer. And he said this, probably his most famous quote. Um, he wrote the Narnia stories. One of his most famous quotes, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. And um, it's true, isn't it? Sometimes when we're suffering, we, um, we reach out for God. Um, God sort of wakes us up through some of the difficult things that we experience. Um, over the last two years, um, the, you know, the world we live in, the whole world has experienced this in, in, incredible pain and, and loss and, and suffering. And, 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 and God is addressing the whole world loudly. I mean, we, we, we need to conclude that, don't we? And so we look for salty conversations, um, distinctive conversations, conversations that are, that are full of grace, that sound like rescued people, until we know that our church is, uh, is, is more of a lifeboat than a cruise ship. Yeah, we, you know, we want to, we want to see people rescue. We, we long and pray for people to find the rescue that we found ourselves. Now, those those three implications are, are real, and I, and I'd love you to think about how we could work those out in the different details of our church life in, in practical ways. I mean, it worries me sometimes a little bit. I was just reflecting on that. And this week I got an invitation to, uh, to go and see the hygienist. Do you, do you know that sort of comments? I think maybe two or three people in the, two or three percent of people in the world actually use dental floss. I, I, don't, I don't want to ask you sort of personally. You, you have that conversation with your hygienist, don't you? And they say, you know, you really should use dental floss. And you say, yeah, yeah I know that. I know that. And you think, let's just get this conversation out of the way. You know, uh, with absolutely no intention. Um, you know, this isn't just to be like that dental floss conversation. You know, this, this is real. This, this is who we want to be, and we want to work it out in all kinds of practical ways so that God brings about, prayerfully through his grace, permanent change in our life as a church. And so this, this is our prayer as we, as we long, for our, long for our church life to change, as, as, we, as we get a clear idea of who we're called to be. You know, as, as, as we desire to be a church full of people, who know that they have everything in Jesus, they have the whole deal, the whole shebang, they've got it all, the whole lot, and, and they've found completeness and satisfaction in Jesus. And they know that they've been rescued from extreme danger into a place of uh, safety. We know that God is the great game changer. This is our prayer, um, that we would understand the extraordinary intervention of God into our lives to bring us back to him, that we would use our Sundays to connect the gospel with everyday life, that we would long for our weekend away, for instance, to be a, a time when uh, we strengthen those relationships with one another. We'd, we'd, we'd plan for the jazz night to be um, just this incredible night of salty conversations going on all over, over the room. We're, we're not there yet. Um, but this is our prayer. This is our God-given mission, to be rooted in Jesus 
relating in his grace and reaching out with the gospel. In just one second, I'm going to get four people who are involved in the church in different ways to just come up and, and think about different ways that we could do that. But first, we're going to pray. Let's pray. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Father God, we would love you to bring about uh, life change. Uh, but we know, Father, that it'll happen as we recognize the rescue in which we've been involved through your son's sacrificial death. I pray, Father, that we would keep telling each other that story, that we wouldn't, that would be our center of gravity. We wouldn't stray away from that. And so as we come to appreciate the grace that's been shown to us, so we would want to be rooted relationally in the Lord Jesus, walking in him, and so relating to one another, and so reaching out to others. Please, Father, bring about permanent change in the life of our church. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.